Andy Mayer on LBC. At five o'clock, what the Conservative leadership candidates have been talking about. Not much on ambulance waiting times, I can tell you. And also that latest weather warning from the Met Office. Now, it's Friday. It's a quarter to five. It's Simon Marks's American Week. Well, Eddie, what a week you've had mulling over the runners and riders in the race to succeed the Prime Minister. And what a week we've had as the two elderly gents who currently dominate American politics both found themselves receiving the message that on this side of the Atlantic, maybe the electorate doesn't want either of them. Of course, we're still not in any kind of a formal selection process. You're ahead of the game over there. But this week's events here have still been pretty remarkable to watch. The President is in as serious trouble as I've ever seen a president when you got his own party uh, not wanting him to run. Britt Hume, one of Washington's most seasoned political observers, offering that commentary on Fox News. Republican Lindsey Graham, Donald Trump's pal in the Senate, was on there as well, rubbing salt into the wounds. The Democratic Party, uh, in large numbers, wants to move on from Biden. If you're a Democrat and somebody said to you, running in 2022, uh, Biden is here to help you jump out the window. Both men were reacting to a poll conducted for the New York Times that gave Biden insiders sleepless nights this week. It showed that 64% of Democrat voters don't want Joe Biden to seek re-election. They want him to stand aside in 2024 and let someone else have a crack. Nationally, the poll revealed that Joe Biden's approval rating has now cratered to 33%. And 88% of the public believe America under Biden's leadership is on the wrong track. He is in Jimmy Carter territory now with numbers worse than Donald Trump's national standing at this stage of his presidency. But on the issue of whether Democrats still want him or not, Joe Biden is unwilling to hear the bad news and bristles when reporters raise it. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. Read the polls. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Now, this is obviously a numbers game, and the truth is that if the Democrats ran Kermit the Frog for the presidency, in a highly polarized nation, 92% of the party's voters would probably back him if it meant stopping a Republican from winning the keys to the Oval Office. But it doesn't mean they want Kermit the Frog in there any more than it means they think Joe Biden has the energy, capacity and vigor to get America out of the manure. Take a look, for instance, at what happened this week, just hours after the president jetted off to the Middle East. And it is out. Headline CPI much hotter than expected, up 9.1%. And 9.1% puts you at 1981. CNBC with the bad news there about inflation, up to 9.1% in the year to June. And as he noted, you'd have to go back to 1981 to find anything worse. Disastrous news. Not least because for weeks, the Biden White House has insisted inflation had peaked, dismissing it as merely transitory. The Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, pounced on the bad news, blaming it on President Biden's public spending spree. This morning, this all-democratic government produced yet another absolutely terrible, terrible inflation report. One leading economist recently said the so-called American Rescue Plan was, quote, arguably the biggest fiscal policy mistake in several 
decade. From Air Force One, President Biden did himself no favors, issuing a written statement calling the inflation numbers unacceptably high, but then immediately challenging the figures and calling them out of date. The president said the numbers don't reflect modest decreases in the price of petrol over the last two weeks. While he was landing in Tel Aviv, that statement was causing uproar back at home, with Jared Bernstein, his chief economic advisor, racing onto the airwaves to assure Americans that Biden really does feel their pain. Unacceptably high inflation uh, for American households. That was the president's uh, clear message on this, uh, not just this morning, but throughout this elevated inflation uh, episode. Putin's invasion of Ukraine is causing a real spike in commodity prices, not just here, but across the globe. But even more damaging for the White House was the impact of the inflation numbers and the president's reaction to them on Capitol Hill. Is he right to blame the data for a bad, a historically bad inflation number? Well, I would, I mean, I would hope that he was right and that we wouldn't be, but I, that's the same people that might have given him information saying it was transitory. So I'm just going to say, if you're going to err, err on the side of caution right now. Speaking there on Fox News, Senator Joe Manchin, one of President Biden's fellow Democrats from the right-leaning state of West Virginia, and as regular listeners will know, a persistent thorn in the side of a White House that is trying desperately to advance its domestic legislative priorities. Last night, while the president was preparing to travel to the West Bank, Senator Manchin pulled the rug out from beneath Joe Biden's entire package of climate change legislation. All that stuff he pledged at COP26 in Glasgow just eight months ago is now shredded. The senator from a coal-producing region of the country says America, beset by rampant inflation, can't afford to go green. Do these inflation numbers make you more inclined or less inclined to move forward with this reconciliation package? I'm asking you. What do you, I mean... Right now, we should all be extremely cautious. This is... People are hurting. The people are hurting. And with that, in a Senate split 50-50 between the two major parties, Joe Manchin brought months of negotiations on the president's Build Back Better initiative to a crashing halt. It's a massive problem awaiting the president on his return to Washington. Not that everything has been plain sailing in the Middle East. He was under fire even before he got there from left-wing Democrats who say he's too cosy with the Israelis and from pretty much everyone else struggling to understand why a president who once vowed to treat Saudi Arabia like a pariah has just landed there to spend the weekend re-engaging with, among others, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who of course orchestrated the murder of Saudi-American journalist Jamal Khashoggi. When he landed in Israel, Joe Biden articulated familiar themes. Every chance to return to this great country where the ancient roots of the Jewish people date back to biblical times is a blessing because the connection between the Israeli people and the American people is bone deep. But this American president found himself on the receiving end of a bit of a lecture from Israel's caretaker Prime Minister Yehir Lapid. The president wants to revive the Iran nuclear deal from which Donald Trump pulled the United States, prompting its collapse. His message to the Israelis give stalled talks in Vienna a little more time. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome. And we'll continue to work with Israel 
to counter other threats from Iran throughout the region, including support for terrorism, ballistic missile program that continues, and the proliferation of weapons to terrorists and proxies like Hezbollah. But Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid, standing right alongside the U.S. leader, did not sound convinced. Words will not stop them, Mr. President. Diplomacy will not stop them. The only thing that will stop Iran is knowing that if they continue to develop their nuclear program, the free world will use force. The Saudis, meanwhile, see Joe Biden coming. The president wants the kingdom to pump more oil, alleviating the price of petrol at America's pumps. The Saudis have got him quite literally over a barrel and will demand fresh security partnerships with America in return. Domestic politics followed the president this week, even to an Israeli television interview. Are you predicting a Biden-Trump rematch of 2024? I'm not predicting, but I I would... uh... I would not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. So you look forward to that? No. Look, the one thing I know about politics, and American politics in particular, is there's no way to uh, predict what's going to happen. I'm not even halfway through my term yet. Yep. And so there's a lot of room to figure out what's going to happen. The president may think he's still got lots of time to figure things out, but the clock is very much ticking here. And it's not just the Democrats who are facing some big questions about the next presidential election. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and then put them all together, mix them all up. And they would not have done the incredible damage that Joe Biden has done to our country in less than two short years. Donald Trump addressing a very enthusiastic crowd in Alaska last weekend. He said this week that he has made up his mind now about whether to seek another term in the White House and indicated he will officially kick off his campaign very soon. I ran twice, I won twice, I did much better the second time than I did the first, believe it or not. Getting many, many millions more votes than we did in 2016. And now, with the approval of the great people of Alaska, we may have to do it again. Such a tease, even as he repeats the entirely false allegation that the last presidential election was rigged. The House Select Committee investigating last year's deadly riot on Capitol Hill by Trump supporters who embraced the election falsehoods promulgated by him continued grinding away this week. We learnt more details of just how close American democracy came to the abyss. There was testimony about screaming matches in the White House, a plan only just headed off to seize the nation's voting machines, the claims of some former members of right-wing extremist groups that Donald Trump had deliberately mobilized them and their gun-toting members. President Trump is a 76-year-old man. He is not an impressionable child. Dissident Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who wants the former president held criminally responsible for unleashing the violent mob in an effort to overturn the election. Donald Trump had access to more detailed and specific information showing that the election was not actually stolen than almost any other American. And he was told this over and over again. No rational or sane man in his position could disregard that information 
and reached the opposite conclusion. But let's go back to the numbers. That New York Times survey this week showed that, as the paper put it in its original alert, only 49% of Republicans want Donald Trump to be the party's next presidential candidate. Or, if you put it another way, despite everything they've heard about Donald Trump's efforts to undermine American democracy, overthrow an election and even impound the nation's voting machines, despite all of that, nearly half the party still wants him. But what happens if Joe Biden is right and unexpected things happen over the next few months? Who else is saddling up and gargling in America's political wings? I just want to uh, express uh, condolences to the people of Japan for the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Uh, Shinzo uh, was a uh, was a great leader, great man. That is Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida trying to sound presidential earlier this week. He is currently Donald Trump's main anticipated rival in the race for the Republican Party's nomination. And he's been very busy signing all sorts of laws and putting out campaign videos to accompany them. Today, uh, I am signing HB 395, which will officially designate November 7th as Victims of Communism Day to honor the more than 100 million people who have fallen victim to communist regimes across the world. Victims of communism honoured one day, huggers in hospitals the next. The bill that we're going to sign today is called the No Patient Left Alone Act, and it increases patient protections. Policies cannot prohibit physical contact such as hugging between their loved ones. They would actually police this where you go in and you said, OK, you may be able to go, but you can't give. Uh, your wife a hug or you can't give your 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 kid a hug? I mean, give me a break. Of course, what he really means is give me the Republican presidential nomination. Meanwhile, on the Democrat side, all eyes are suddenly on the youthful governor of California, the very telegenic Gavin Newsom, who last week suddenly started running TV ads in the very same sunshine state of Florida where Governor Ron DeSantis presides. Freedom? It's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, but we still believe in freedom. Now, let's be clear. No one advertises in Florida a battleground presidential election state unless they are themselves thinking of seeking the presidency. And guess who showed up for a tour of the White House just hours after Joe Biden left town and headed to the Middle East? You got it. Governor Newsom, accompanied by a local TV news crew. You know there are a lot of people that are talking about you running there and potentially being comfortable there. What do you say when you see that? There's no part of you at all? No, because I don't know, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I've tried to say no, no way, in every way I possibly can, including saying sub I don't know what else, I don't know what language. In fact, I may need advice and counsel. Uh, what's the language uh, to express absolutely no? Says a man who was just wandering through the halls of the White House and measuring it up for curtains hours after its current occupant made the huge mistake of leaving town. Subtle, he isn't. But for Joe Biden and Donald Trump, both still hoping for a political future, even as rivals limber up alongside them. Well, Eddie, in the words of another here today, gone tomorrow political leader. Them's the brakes. Simon Marks' American Week, back next Friday at a quarter to five. 
This is LBC. I'm Eddie Mayer.